The following audio is from Summit Church. For more information on Summit Church, visit www.summitonline.tv. Thanks so much for joining us today. We are in a section of the Gospel of Luke, because as a church we just walk through books of the Bible. We're in a section where it just appears that story after story, narrative after narrative, Jesus is being confronted by religious leaders because they are scared. They're scared of Jesus for a couple reasons. Number one, they're scared because he has a large following of people. He came onto the scene. He was teaching new, amazing thoughts that people seemed to be intrigued by, but then he was backing it up with power. And anytime someone new jumps on the scene and starts to threaten the structure and the stability that you have, and the religious leaders have been the men in that arena for decades now. And they're concerned. They're concerned about this new guy. So they're starting to see, we might need to check this out. And it just seems like for the last couple of weeks, we've seen that. Uh, last week, Jesus was, you know, in Matthew's house eating, and the, the Pharisees are like, why are you eating with sinners? That was two weeks ago. And then they said, why are your disciples eating and not fasting? That was last week. And, and now we see that Jesus is simply walking through a grain field. You cannot get any more benign than that. He's walking through a grain field, and the religious leaders want to call out his disciples for doing something. Now, the reason they call him out is because they were walking through a grain field on the Sabbath, okay? The Sabbath was Saturday. It's the last day of the week. In the Jewish week, the first day of the week was Sunday. Last day of the week was Saturday. That was the Sabbath. God had commanded that it be set apart, it be holy, that it be a day of rest. So the religious leaders, they absolutely know the rules for the Sabbath. And before we even jump into the Gospel of Luke, I want to give just a little bit of biblical context for the Sabbath to help, hopefully, better understand why the religious leaders did what they did with Jesus. Exodus chapter 34, verse 21. It says this, For six days you shall labor, work so hard, but on the seventh day, that's on Saturday, you shall rest. Even during plowing season and during the harvest, you've got to take a day off to rest and to cease in me. The Sabbath had many, many, many regulations. And most of them are found in Scripture. You know, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. There are many rules regarding that seventh day of the week, that Sabbath day. But over the 2,000 years that man had been in charge of administering these rules, they had added a ton to them. I want to set this up just briefly. I'm going to read a list. I'm going to read a list of 39 categories of things that you couldn't do on the Sabbath. Okay, these are things you couldn't do. If you did, you were breaking the Sabbath. Huge deal. So these are 39 categories. I'm going to just list them to let you see the craziness of the rules that were surrounding this one day. You couldn't carry anything. You couldn't burn anything. You couldn't extinguish something that was burning. You couldn't finish. Okay, what does that even mean? It's like if you started a project, you got to leave it there. You can't write or erase. I think that's funny. 
You couldn't cook or wash or sew. You couldn't tear anything. You couldn't tie a knot or untie a knot. You couldn't shape anything, plow anything, plant anything, reap anything, harvest anything, thresh anything, winnow anything. You couldn't select something. You couldn't purchase, you couldn't select something. You couldn't sift anything or grind anything or knead anything or comb anything or spin anything. You couldn't dye anything. You couldn't chain stitch anything. That's important. Make sure you don't do that. If something was warping, you couldn't fix it. You couldn't weave anything. You couldn't unravel anything. You couldn't build anything. It's like that actually makes a little bit of sense. You couldn't demolish anything. So you can't tear down anything. You couldn't trap anything. You couldn't shear anything. You couldn't slaughter anything. You couldn't skin anything. You couldn't tan anything. You couldn't smooth anything. Are, are you seeing this in the last one? There's no marking. You couldn't write on anything. 39 categories. Once again, most of these were validated in some way by the scriptures. Most of them were. But over 2,000 years, then man had established so many oral traditions, meaning teachings on these categories. There were so many restrictions that most people just took the Sabbath and did nothing. They rested. That was exactly the purpose, and we'll get to that here in a moment. But understanding that is the rules that govern this one day of the week. That's the rules governing the narrative that we're reading here today. Understanding that, let's jump into Luke chapter 6. We made it to chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. On the Sabbath, on this highly regulated day, Jesus was going through the grain fields and his disciples began to pick some heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands, and they ate the kernels. Some of the Pharisees asked, why? Why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Why are you doing this? As, as you heard me read, harvesting, plowing, all those completely illegal on the Sabbath, out of bounds, breaking the law. The law says you're not supposed to do it. But these disciples, they're not harvesting. They're not harvesting anything. They're having a snack. You're allowed to eat on the Sabbath. They see some wheat kernels. They pick them up. They throw them in their mouth. They're having a snack. And now some of the most astute of you are going, well, wait a minute. It's not their field. I'm not so worried about them eating on the Sabbath or harvesting they're stealing. That's not their wheat. Well, here's what's important to know. In the first century, every farmer left the corners of their fields unharvested so the poor could come through and have something to eat. That was an established tradition. I think it's one of the better traditions that we had, the, that the community took care of its others by saying, hey, I'm going to leave the corners of my field, unharvested, if you want to come through and grab some grain so that you can make some bread, it's yours. I've taken all the rest. So the disciples are not stealing. They're not harvesting. They're having a snack. And this is where the Pharisees decide they're going to jump in and attack. They're going to say, it is unlawful on the Sabbath for you to touch any grain, to touch any kind of wheat because you're harvesting. And to their credit, that's what they taught. Don't go 
pick anything, any fruit, any vegetable, any wheat. Don't do it on the Sabbath because God has ordained this day as sacred and special. And Jesus is going to go Old Testament on them. He is going to use scripture to refute their criticism of his disciples. Luke chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. Jesus answered them, have you never read? Ooh, don't say that to the religious leaders because not only have they read it, they've memorized it. They know this by heart. But he says, have you never read what David did? When he and his companions were hungry, they were literally starving. They entered the house of God. That's the temple. They, so the temple is set up. There's an outer court. There's a, there's a holy place and there's a most holy place. To get into the holy place, you, you had to be a priest. You, you were supposed to be a priest. And, and David entered into that. He didn't go to the most holy place. That's where God dwelled. But he went into the holy place. And there there's candles and there's different things. And there's also this table of host bread or consecrated bread. And, and they went in and they were starving and they ate that bread. The, the bread the priests had put out that morning for ceremonial reasons. You're not supposed to touch it. They're not even supposed to be in there. But have you not heard of when he entered the house of God and he took the consecrated bread? He ate, he ate what is lawful only for the priest to eat. So he's not a priest. He's not of the tribe of Aaron. So, I mean, he, he's not a priest. He's not a Levite. So he ate that. And he also gave some to his companions. And, and Jesus is saying, have you not heard that story when he did that and God was okay with it? So he went into a very sacred place and ate something he really wasn't supposed to eat. And my disciples are simply having a little mouthful of grain. Can you not see how foolish this goes? How, how foolish this sounds? There's a precedent here. There's a precedent for God's children to not have to obey man's traditions, his, their rules. And Jesus is using David as this beautiful picture because the religious leaders loved David. They knew that the Messiah, the, the Son of God, was going to come from the line of David. So you didn't mess with David. If David did something, it, it, was, it was all good. And so Jesus is going, hey, David did this, and he did far worse than my disciples just did, and, and God was fine with that. And, and then Jesus alludes to the fact that, and I'm the Lord of David. David did this, and, and I'm his Lord. So if if I say it's okay, it's okay. David and his men were starving. Yes, they ate special bread, but at the end of the day, it's it's just bread. I remember when I was kind of a punk teenager, I was at my home church, and and they left the communion trays out, and and we were walking through the auditorium, and, and I remember, and I shouldn't have done this, but there, there were a couple of us, we just grabbed a handful of the communion bread, we were snacking on it, because I mean, we, we were being flippant, and I'll say that right now, and, and a lady from the church caught us, and she went off. How, how disrespectful! Do you understand that that is the body of Christ? And I remember looking at her going, I really am sorry, I wasn't trying to be disrespectful, but it is just bread. And I think, that's what, I think that's what Jesus was trying to get the religious leaders to see. It's just some kernels of grain. My, my guys, they love God. And they're following me. And, and if they want to eat a handful of grain, so be it. 
not breaking God's commands. They're not sinning against God. They're breaking your rules. They're making you feel uncomfortable. And I get why that woman in church on that day, I get why she was uncomfortable with what we were doing. I get it. I do. But at the end of the day, it was just bread. At the end of the day, Jesus' disciples, they just just picked some grain. And Jesus was not going to allow, allow the religious leaders to misinterpret God's commands in place of their own rules. He, he just wasn't going to allow that. And then, oh boy, then Jesus goes the next step. And he says, here's what I need you to know. You're worried about them breaking the laws of the Sabbath. Jesus says, I am Lord of the Sabbath. I am Lord of the Sabbath. He, he is absolutely going to put them in their place. Verse 5, Luke chapter 6. Then Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. I am Lord of it. You can make your rules, but I supersede all of them. Mark actually adds one more line. He adds one more line to Jesus' statement here that I think helps put this all in the context. In Mark chapter 2, verses 27 and 28, it says this. Same, same story, just Mark's version of it. Then Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made for man. Hear that. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. God instituted this way back in the beginning. He did so because he knew the importance of rest. He knew that. And he instituted it not so that he could lord over us, but but because he knew that's what's best for us. He intended, he intended the Sabbath to be a loving gift to his people. The Hebrew word for Sabbath means simply to cease, to cease from work. It was begun in creation when God created for six days and on the seventh day he rested. He worked, he did his job, it was beautiful, and then he took a day and he rested. You can read that in Genesis 1 in the first part of Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2 verse 3 is, is actually where we see this. Then God blessed the seventh day. He made it holy because on it he rested from all of the work of creating that he had done. One day set apart for rest to be called holy. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 8, you're not going to see this, but that's just the Ten Commandments. The fourth commandment is to keep the Sabbath day holy. God created this day for us, and he knows it is good for us to rest, to cease from our labor on a regular basis. For what purpose? To connect with him, to connect with the Lord of the Sabbath. It was so important to God that the punishment for breaking the Sabbath was death. And you're like, whoa, that doesn't sound right. No, and I agree, that sounds 
harsh, but this is how important that was to God, that we as his children would understand the importance of rest. In Numbers chapter 15, there's a story of a guy who went out on the Sabbath and was just gathering up wood. That's all he was doing. He was just gathering up wood. You got to assume it was to go make a fire, which would have also been against the Sabbath code. So, I mean, he, he was on a rampage of breaking the Sabbath. And we see that the community came together and decided that he had done wrong and he was put to death. I know that seems crazy to you and to me. And in the New Testament, that's, that's not the law. Like We don't live under that law anymore. But I think if we just take a big, big, big step back and we look, we can see that it's God actually loving and caring for his creation and saying, I know what's best for you because I made you. And any one of you sitting here today who knows that they're running at a breakneck pace, who knows that they are so far from God right now, not because they want to be, but because they have no margin, they have no implemented rest in their life, God's like, that's why this is so important. Because left to your own devices, you're going to fill up every minute of your life, either with yourself or with other people, but I'm going to be the first one to get forgotten. And God says, that, that can't be. You, you can't live a fulfilled, fruitful life that way. You need me. And because I know you, I need to create some rules, some standards for you to live by. In the New Testament, the Sabbath is mentioned a couple times, Colossians 2, Hebrews 4, those are, those are the big ones. And, and both times, it, it refers to our rest with God in heaven, our ultimate Sabbath rest, when, when our labors are done here on this earth and we get to go be with him. But that doesn't mean that the concept of rest in the Lord of the Sabbath is not important the principle, not the law, the principle is a good idea. A day, a day, a month, a day, a week. I, I don't know how often it needs to be where you cease, you connect to God, you refresh, you worship, you Sabbath in Jesus. The principle is a really, really good idea. Who doesn't need this? Of everyone watching right now, who doesn't need this? Some kind of structure and rhythm to your life where you say, I will stop for this period of time for this purpose because my soul needs it. My mind needs it. My body needs it. And God knows it because he created you. How can you make this a rhythm in your life? How can you do that? God actually, I believe, gave grace to the Israelites because he said, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to put a bunch of laws around this. So you're going to have to work really hard on Friday to get ready for Saturday. 
You're going to have to work ahead and think ahead. You're not going to be making fires. You're not going to be gathering. You're not going to be sewing. You're not going to be mending. You're not going to be building fences, tearing down buildings. If you're going to do that, you need to get that done Friday because on Saturday, you're going to rest. On Saturday, you're going to be with me. And they knew that because of the law, because of the rules. They knew, okay, I got to get this done because tomorrow I don't get to do it. And while God does not hold us to that same standard anymore, I think the principle is still brilliant. How do you carve out time for him? How do you carve out time to rest where you're not thinking, oh, I still got to do this. I got to do this. This has to be done. Oh, I can't even focus on God right now because there's so many things looming out there. And what he's saying is just prepare. Set aside a day and a time. It shows intentionality. You have to be intentional about this because left to our own devices, we run at breakneck speeds. We run at breakneck speeds that are unsustainable. But God designed us to seek rest. He created us to make sure that happens regularly. And if it's not, you're going to feel worn out. You're going to feel tired. You're going to feel burnt out. Here's what it can't be. It can't be your two weeks of vacation every year. Because I don't know about you, but when I go on vacation, I come back needing a vacation. It's not your two weeks of vacation. It's not that. It's not when you hit rock bottom and you're like, I am done. That's, that's not the time to carve it out. You, miss, you missed your opportunities. But it's something that you should regularly, regularly do with and for him. It'll make a difference. And so what I, what I want to do today, as we conclude, I want to encourage you to take the next few minutes and, and just to rest, to just stop, to don't, don't jump up because the sermon's over and go start your, just stop for 10 minutes. L- listen to the worship music. L- respond to him. Just Stop. And then maybe have a conversation this evening that goes, how and when can this become a normal rhythm in my life? Because Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. God created you knowing that you need times to cease so that you can be fully recharged by him. You need those times. And for those of you who have not felt them or experienced them in forever. (laughs) I pray that today is the wake-up call. Today is the reminder that these aren't just rules. This is love. This is the love the Father has for you. And he created you. And he knows what you need. And what you need is him. Let's rest in him this week. Father, thank you. Thank you that you've given us this command. Thank you that you have created us in a way that We can't really run our best without you. So those who are hurting and lacking, may they seek you and may they find you. May they carve out time to rest in you. May we Sabbath in you, Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath. It's in your name we pray. Amen.